The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills Mafia. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. We are going to go over the 2023 Buffalo Bills draft. We're going to go over each pick. We're going to talk, uh, give our thoughts on the draft in general, our favorite picks, our least favorite picks, the surprising picks. And then we're going to uh, talk about each one individually. And, uh, and we'll go from there. we got a lot of exciting things to talk about. So happy to be with you guys. But first, this episode is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. If you're in the Waterloo, New York area, do yourselves a favor. Check out the DeLago Resort and Casino. Um, it's a great time. We've been there several times. I look forward to going there again. Um, if you haven't checked it out, you're doing yourself a, dis- a disservice. Um, it's such a great time. I was thinking about it this whole weekend while the draft was going on, how much fun it would be to be there. I was out of town, but we watched the Thursday night. You know, We watched day one together, Mike, John, and I. Um, that episode where we talked about Dalton Kincaid. And now we're going to talk about the rest of the picks. So I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. And John, I'll start with you. Um, just thoughts in general on the Bills draft this year. And did you like it? Did you not like it? And uh, and we'll go from there. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I love that they put more of an emphasis on offense this year than it seems like more than any other year. Four out of their six draft picks were on offense, five out of six of their undrafted free agents so far offense, and three out of their five rookie minicamp invites so far offense. 70% in total. I love it. I like, we, we, we talked about it before. Like, the Bills have had a great defense, and I loved, I love them having a great defense, but I, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit on defense in the future. Maybe they become average to have the offense around Allen that can just put up points at will. It, a lot of times it seems like they can do that already, but like, 
you know, between injuries and, and other things that happen to have these, these extra guys to be able to contribute. I, I think it's great. And, and I, I think it almost, it, it puts more of an emphasis on now too, right? Like they, like they have Josh Allen now. So like, why not, why, why not put it all together now and win now? Like that's, that's what I'm all about for this. And I, I think like based on how they drafted and everything else so far, I think that's the direction they're going, and I think it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the way you put it. It's it's surprising, and I don't know if you guys felt this way too. It was surprising that they drafted in the manner that they did, going with an offensive approach. Like you said, John, I mean, we've been talking this whole offseason about how the Bills hadn't selected a player, you know, in the in the first round on the offensive side of the ball since Sammy Watkins, besides Josh Allen, and that's almost 10 years now. And, you know, we, we saw the Dalton Kincaid pick on – you know, the first round of the draft, and we talked that night, we're like, there's no way they're going offense again, right? Like, this is, but it's surprising and also pleasantly surprising to see Bean not necessarily look at his biggest needs or say, like, you know, I have to draft this kind of player, I have to get a defensive lineman, because he went into the draft saying he needed a defensive tackle, and he didn't pick a defensive lineman, either edge rusher or defensive tackle throughout the entire draft, which I, I'm okay with, because that's how his board fell, um, and he got some good value. Mike, in general, um, thoughts on the draft? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Uh, like John did. I liked it, Nate, but I'm trying to articulate perhaps a reservation. I think we've talked about this before, but say like I'm a pro runner and I'm 10th best in the world, right? And Nike comes out with a brand new shoe that shaves a minute off of my mile time and I buy that shoe. Do I go from number 10 to number one? Like, no, I stay exactly at number 10 because everybody else is going to buy the same damn shoe. So I feel like as excited as I could be, as excited as John is, like isn't every the fan base of every other single team just as high? I don't know, but like I can't, I, I'm still super excited. So those two competing thoughts in my head, like I love the Kincaid pick, I love all the other picks, but is everyone else as high on their picks as we are? Yeah, obviously, every everybody, like I mean, we are, even during the drought, like every year was like, oh, this could be the year because of this draft. It, every draft is a crapshoot, and I give you that. My excitement is the, the almost change in philosophy that they went from drafting defense every single year and prioritizing that to helping Josh Allen not get killed <laughs> and drafting offensive linemen, drafting another receiving target and uh, helping out the offense. Yeah, because if you think about the the draft in general, I mean, it's just a it's just a net sum gain, right? Your game, right? Like there's you're only gaining assets. You're not losing any assets to the draft for the most part. I mean, you could trade away picks or whatever, but no matter what, you have like three, four, five, six new players. Like you didn't lose talent from the draft. Now, if you take into account but, free but agency, you can appreciate that everybody's everyone thinks again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the water is rising for all yachts, all other teams at exactly the same rate, unless it was a disastrous. <laughs> picking of these pieces i completely i completely understand where you're coming from absolutely i see i see i see what you're saying about everyone thinking that they're getting better which we like john said we always saw we were getting better during the drought even though collectively our team still kind of sucked but but yeah everyone's pretty much high they feel good about it i think i think what what john said about like specifically the change in philosophy gives me hope because this is by all accounts of everyone i've read and you know, listen to like nobody could have predicted that 
the draft was going to shake out this way, specifically going offense heavy. Um, and it shows almost a willingness of Bean and McDermott, which we haven't seen as of yet, really, of their focus on where they value the positions, and maybe they're actually feeling the same way that we as fans do. Because after the way that the season ended, even, ta- I mean, Mike, John, we, we talked about this, I feel like, in week 11, where it was, it was, and I've, and I'm, we've mentioned this a dozen times, the Greg Cosell clip about talking about Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs being the key parts of the offense and then everyone else just being there. And you think about the defense, they have like five or six all pros, right? Like there's, there's a good defense. Like, okay, well, let's get some of those all pros on the offensive side of the ball. Let's get someone to protect Josh Allen so he doesn't have to do so much and let's give him weapons. So, uh, so this was the first draft where it felt like he wasn't taking a back seat or at least, you know, Josh's his weapons around him and his protection didn't take a back seat to like we'll just because even in free agency and I'll go to one of my I'll start with my big surprise. We weren't necessarily going to go to surprises first, but my biggest surprise was that they went offense in the second round too. And not only did they go offense in the second round, they went guard. They went with Osiris Torrance in the second round. Um, and this is a guy who is like only going to be a guard. He's only going to be a right guard. And what was surprising about it is they have a right guard. They have Ryan Bates there. And they had the forethought to be like, we can even improve on the guys who we value to be good or very good. Like we can still get more depth. They signed Connor, Connor McGovern in the offseason. That was their biggest free agency uh, addition was left guard Connor McGovern. And they drafted two guards in this draft. Like, you would think of anything like, oh, maybe they'll draft a tackle. Like, no, they're like, we're going to make sure that this, the interior of our, our offensive line, no matter what, is the most solid it's ever been. And I would be very surprised if it's not after training camp, barring any big injuries. But, like, I was surprised at that. That was my biggest surprise. Um, John, I'll go with you next. I mean, since we're kind of talking surprises, what was your biggest surprise? Was it just what you just mentioned, them going offense and actually putting an emphasis on it for once? Yeah, overall, it, that that would probably be it. Um, for, for an individual draft pick, I agree with you on Torrance. Um, not necessarily because of what you said, but like also because a lot of people had him a lot higher in the draft. So they like in the teens even. So to get him at pick fifty nine, like that's that's amazing, right? Like the great value on top of everything else. Great value at number fifty nine. He was the second most mocked player to the Bills in the first round, and we got him at fifty nine. But what was surprising about that pick too was that the Bills love. Um, the ability of players ability to play different positions right positional diversity like you know how many times did the bills like oh the, they drafted uh you know boogie basham he played defensive end but he can also kick into defensive tackle at times you know like they love a guy that can play wide receiver he can play outside inside like they love players that are like that this is a guy that doesn't have that positional diversity he is a guard like that's the only place you put him and there's like only kind of you know that position that's all he's really played and that's kind of where his biggest strengths i mean he's an amazing guard at that level at the sec level he was ranked the highest guard out of uh out of all of the uh positions in uh in in many different you know rankings the best pure guard now there were like five or six guards taken before 
Osiris Torrance. There were guys like, you know, the guys that were center guard prospects, guys that were guard tackle prospects. And it's like, that seems like a, that seems like a Brandon Bean pick, right? Like a guy that can do both. But this pick is like, that's all he could do. And they were like, we're still going to take him. We don't care. We have guys at that position. It doesn't matter. We're still going to draft him. I miss mean they really love him. It must be. It must be. They did say in the, uh, Bean mentioned at the presser that it was one of those meetings together where they felt, it just felt easy. It felt comfortable. Like they just got along really well. Um, they talked to him three separate occasions. So it was it was cool to hear that. And he seems really excited to come. I mean, who doesn't want to block for Josh Allen, right? And and, and not only that, it mentioned um, that, you know, because he was blocking for Anthony Richardson, the quarterback that was taken high in the draft, and Anthony Richardson has really good legs. He moves around like he's used to blocking a little bit longer for guys that move around in the pocket that take a little bit extra time to throw the ball. I mean, this guy sounds like a perfect fit for the Buffalo Bills. I love it. And he's a bigger guy than they normally draft, too, you know, um, at offensive line. So I love that. Uh, Mike, uh, when you look at the draft picks, let me read them off real quick because I haven't even read off the draft picks. Round one. Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. We talked about that um, on Friday morning's podcast. Round two, pick 59, Osiris Torrance, guard out of Florida. Mentioned that just now. Round three, pick 91, Dorian Williams, linebacker out of Tulane. Um, Round five, pick 150 from the Commanders, Justin Shorter, the wide receiver out of Florida. Round seven, the first of the two round seven picks, Pick 230 from the Texans, Nick Broker, guard out of Mississippi. And then the other round seven pick, the second one, the last of the six picks of the Buffalo Bills, pick 252 from the Rams, Alex Austin, the cornerback from Oregon State. So, uh, Mike, I didn't even mention the three trade backs of this draft. I mean, you could argue that that's one of the biggest surprises, too, because being usually he only traded back twice, and it was last season before this draft. So he only traded back twice, and that was when he kept trading back in the second round and eventually traded and got, or eventually drafted James Cook with that second round pick after trading down several times. This time he traded back three times. Mike, what is your biggest surprise of the draft uh, from your perspective? I just think with Bean saying last week that if, you know, if he had to make a prediction that he'd trade back in the first round. So to see him just go up just to leapfrog the Cowboys, was very surprising to me. And like, I haven't, uh, we don't know, right? Like if, if the Cowboys would have taken Kincaid, like it, it was just surprising to me in that respect. Yeah, you're right. I think they looked at the fact that Dalton Schultz left and they're like, well, they need a, they need a tight end. Even though I think they drafted two of them last year. He just, he just, for some reason had a feeling. And he mentioned that at the press conference, he thought that, that, that he, he thought that Dallas was going to go get him. If you watch, if you know, Skip Bayless, uh, he was like, he's a big Cowboys fan. He's like, I wanted them to take Dalton Kincaid. He's like, the Bills got this amazing, you know, huge step up from Dalton Schultz. Like, Dalton Kincaid is the real deal. I watched him against USC. He had 16 receptions on 16 targets for 232 yards. Like, he was he was clearly upset, which made me feel great as a Bills fan, seeing Skip Bayless upset, and then also us getting <laughs> the player that he wanted. But yeah, that's a good point, Mike. I forgot about the trade-up. I didn't mention that. We mentioned that on the other podcast. So he traded up. Gave, gave away a fourth-round pick to trade up with the Jaguars to get Dalton Kincaid. And then, you know. And then I would say other, like, I agree 100%, Osiris Torrance, like, that's an A-plus. Like, he was a first-rounder, so what, what a steal. That's not something we're used to saying with the Bills, right, all throughout the drought years. And even with, I don't think with Bean, like, just getting, just 
unanimous steals. And then in the third round, I thought, don't you think they let a couple linebackers get by? Like there was a, a run on linebackers and being kept moving back. I did think that was surprising. Um, hopefully Williams works out great, but they it seemed like they passed on uh, quite a few guys for for a position that was such a need. I I had a prediction. I had a prediction going into this draft where I thought they were going to either draft one early, like we predicted with Jack Campbell, maybe Drew Sanders. Jack Campbell obviously went too early, and I thought they might go Drew Sanders in the second round or whatever. Drew Sanders never got around to him. I thought they were either going to do that or just punt on the position altogether, which they kind of did because Dorian Williams isn't a middle linebacker. Um, in their, their third-round pick, he's by by any standard, like he's not the kind of guy that you're going to put in as your middle linebacker. So it's kind of like they were just like, well, this, this position is not going to happen. In fact, no, I'm sorry. Drew Sanders went in the third round to Denver with their third round pick. So they could have gotten him in the second round. They decided not to. They, they stuck with Osiris Torrance. Maybe this is a change in philosophy too. It's like how they view the linebacker position. Maybe since Tremaine Edmonds is there, maybe they're just like, well, we'll put in, you know, either. I think Bean said at the press conference, Tyrell Dodson kind of has the edge as the leader, but it's going to be up to him, um, Klein and Bernard. But yeah, that is that's very surprising, Mike. That's a good point. That's a good point. Not not only did they you know kind of punt on defensive tackle, which he said was a need before the draft. But they didn't go after any linebackers that could really push for that middle linebacker role, like a Trent Simpson or or even Diane Henley, uh, which went later in the draft too. Which I I he went at pick eighty five um, to the Chargers, which I thought that was a player that the Bills could look at. Uh, yeah, they took Dorian Williams a few picks later, so I think that was a guy they were looking at. Mike, you said that there was a run on him where there was Demarvion Overshone was picked before him from the Cowboys, and then they went Dorian Williams out of Tulane. So, you know, it was kind of funny because there was a, there was a, I thought last season the most questionable pick was Terrell Bernard because I thought for sure just because Tremaine Edmonds was on an expiring contract, if they were going to pick a linebacker, it was going to be a middle linebacker guy, you know, like a guy that can compete for that, not Matt Milano, the guy they just resigned a year earlier. And instead, it felt like Terrell Bernard was more of a Matt Milano replacement. And so does Dorian Williams. Dorian Williams is like a Matt Milano replacement as well. You know, so it's funny. It's funny. that. But what I will say is, uh, is Dorian Williams has like an amazing coverage grade, and the Bills love that with their uh, their linebackers. So... He's good from that point of view. Osiris Torrance, real quick uh, note, he did not allow any sacks um, his year, his last year at Florida. He didn't He didn't have any penalties either. Good note there. What? Yeah, no penalties. No penalties, no sacks, nothing. Like he was the highest graded run blocker in the whole country. Yeah, I talked about him. It's funny. Um, I had one of the Buffalo Rumblings writers, Sean Murphy, on like, geez, like two, three months ago at this point. He's just like, dude. He's like, wouldn't it be cool if the Bills got Osiris Torrance in the first round? I'm like, yeah. I was like, the Bills don't, the Bills don't value guards that high, though. Like, they'll never take him. Well, in the second round, they they took him, and yeah, he's he's yeah he's created one of the best run blockers in the entire country, and he's he's a well above average in pass block, pass blocking. So, I wish somebody would describe me as above average. 
<laughs> There's still time, Mike. There's still time. In some, some capacity. <laughs> you host, I will say you host an above average draft party <laughs> for the first round. <laughs> Uh, until until the the wires from the mixer start getting chewed up. <laughs> um, just joking, but uh, so let's go to favorite pick of the draft. John, I'll start with you. What is your favorite pick uh, from this past weekend? Dalton Kincaid, right? The number one need for me going into the draft was receiving targets for Josh Allen, and I think that checks that box easily. Yeah, that's a good one. Speaking of that, I I wanted to bring up our our biggest our big board of Buffalo Bills needs, our team needs, right? So number one, we had wide receiver slash receiving weapon, and we've said this the whole offseason. It doesn't have to be a wide receiver; it just has to be a guy that can catch the ball, that can get some yards after catch, a guy that doesn't drop the ball that often. Blah blah blah. Like Dalton Kincaid checks all those boxes. So of our team needs, at least circling the wagons podcast teams needs. Brandon Bean crushed it, number one. Number two, middle linebacker, he didn't take care of um, in that. So we will, uh, so he didn't get that. But then he ended up getting the third best, which we wanted offensive linemen. He got two of them. Like, I didn't think, I was hoping he'd get at least one. He got two of them. So then he knocked it. And then we had defensive tackle and defensive end, which he got none of them. And then safety, which we think we got one in the the seventh round um, with Alex Austin, potentially. But, but yeah, I, I, I... I like that one, John. Um, um, I'll give mine after Mike, though. Mike, what was your favorite pick of the draft? I have to agree with John. Just the hype with the number one pick. He was our number one need. Can't wait to uh, rectify the last game from last season, give Allen more weapons. So now we got Diggs, Davis, Dawson, Dalton, and Diggs. Wait, what? We got Diggs, Davis, <laughs> Dalton, and Diggs? What? Yeah, Diggs, Davis, Dawson, Dalton, and Diggs. <laughs> Why do we have two Diggs? Because the movie, man. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgeball. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Did you grab that one off Reddit? <laughs> it's a good one. It's all me, man. It's all you. That's nice. You could probably count Diggs twice anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. I was like, wait, did they draft a Diggs that I didn't? I'm like going through the list of six players. I'm like, maybe one of them's Diggs, and I just didn't remember. Yeah, that's funny. That's good. That's good. That's a good. Is that your nickname for the Bills offense? The Diggs? I think that's Dutch. just a list of their names. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. What do we call them? Li- the, the D's? No. <laughs> the five D's? The- they got Deontay Hardy. Yeah, Deontay Hardy, Deion Dawkins. Who wants some D, right? Like, so I don't know. <laughs> Damian Harris. Damian. <laughs> Desmond Patton. Who? <laughs> Who else do they got? He's a receiver from Kerry. I think he was on the practice squad at one point. Cool. Uh, I got a nickname for Dalton Kincaid. Tommy Doyle. <laughs> Tommy Doyle. Nice. Uh, Dalton can catch. Dalton can catch. That's good. Yeah, we like it. We discussed that earlier. Nice, nice. I didn't think so. I'm glad that Mike said it because John said it separately to me. How did you – did you tell me with Mike on the thing? Okay, I thought maybe maybe no. he heard it too. That's cool. That's cool. I didn't think I didn't think you guys would both like it. We're doing a T-shirt for it for T-Public. Dalton can catch or just can catch 
we don't want to get sued, so congrats. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have one for DK squared for Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, DK squared. It's like a face-off. Mike Mike had that idea. That was a cool face-off thing. Half Kincaid, half Knox. Um, but yeah, that's the, I I I agree with you guys. Dalton Kincaid was <clears throat> was my favorite pick. Um, and was I that sixties <laughs> <laughs> like the. Uh... Is it? I don't even know what it's called, but it's like quad is four, right? Isn't six sext? Sext, yeah. Six, yeah. What is that? Is that like old English or it's probably Greek or Roman? something? Gre- yeah, Greek? Greek Roman, yeah. Something like isn't hex six too? Sex six five is quint. Quintus. Quintus. <laughs> Must be Roman. Must be Roman. <laughs> Obviously, good, good. We figured that all out. <laughs> the f- Would you Quintus? What are they? People should know when they're conquered. <laughs> this is how people figured out everything before the internet existed. <laughs> You're just like, well, obviously it was in Gladiator, and that took place during Rome. <laughs> so it's a Roman. <laughs> but Greece happened before Rome. It doesn't matter. It was in the movie. And that's how old people, everyone thought they were smart, because nobody could ever challenge them. <laughs> Uh, Man, that was the heyday of being a know-it-all blowhard. Nobody could question you. Nobody, no. Um, <laughs> my favorite pick was the Dalton Kincaid pick because it was surprising, and I think it was the start of what we kind of mentioned before about the changing of the guard for different draft philosophies, which is a good thing because we've seen five drafts from Brandon Bean already six with including one with McDermott and it's like we kind of have an idea now how he drafts or his philosophies or what we think and everyone I've read who's like a Bill's beat reporter or whatever nobody predicted this whatsoever so that's a good thing but that's a good thing because it's not like he's so rigid and this is how he drafts like he's open he's he his mindset isn't made up, which is the growth mindset, which we always talk about, which they always preach at One Bill's Drive. It's good to see it in action, though, because they've taken so many picks on defensive line. They've 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 taken a lot of swings, and they've missed on some of them. You could argue they've missed on a lot of them. Um, they just haven't been home runs. Like maybe they're a single or a double. <laughs> they're just not. They're just not great hits. So you would think, based on the needs based on the fact that they didn't have a defensive tackle, and he mentioned that's a need. I thought that they were just going to just take a guy. They just had to take a guy because they needed him, and they didn't, which is a good thing. Do you think part of it might be, like, McDermott's ego? So, like, obviously he's defensive-oriented, and through the years he would want to lean defense. But now that he's going to be calling the plays, do you think he himself thinks, oh, I I can call the right plays, get the most out of the players that we have, you go ahead and draft some offensive guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make do with what we have, and it's gonna be amazing anyway. Maybe a hubris, a little bit of hubris, a little uh, coaching hubris. I think it's possible. Good for him. He should be that. He should feel that confident. Um, I agree. I agree. Or maybe this is this is that 
coupled with the fact that Leslie Frazier isn't there, and Leslie Frazier would be the rule. I need, I need a defensive end. I need a pass rusher. Like this, you get, and they're like this pass rusher has to be this big. This, and then they're like, okay, we'll get you your guy. And then they're like, not having such great success. And they're like, I thought we were giving you this guy. What are you doing with him? Oh, we're making him gain weight or lose weight or like, hey, we did that. Well, you know, it's just uh, I don't know. I you can't speak to that. It's all speculation. Or, but yeah, or they didn't, or they didn't draft the right guy in the first place. But. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, you never know, but good point. Good point. So, like, I love the Dalton Kincaid pick as well. Um, if I had to give a second favorite, uh, I mean, I really like. I I think the the possibility of Justin Shorter in the fifth round is a fun thing. Like, we all love those day three picks and like guys that might make the team, might not make the team. I mean, who doesn't love like a six foot four, you know, two hundred fifteen pound wide receiver? You know, like that's how how. How enticing is that? So that that was really cool, but really, um, in the end, it was it was Dalton Kincaid, and then obviously a close second was Osiris Torrance because there were times where I wanted him in the first round, and we ended up getting him in the second round. Great value. Everything you guys already mentioned, you guys hit it, hit the nail on the head. Value, um, protection, everything. Like Josh, without a doubt, Josh will walk into this season with better weapons and better protection than he had last season like it's it's almost a fact at this point unless someone goes down like Dan Dawkins goes down with an injury or someone else like the interior of this line is the best it's ever been under McDermott yeah and, and if you like versatility like Nick Broker that seventh round pick he can play guard or tackle and I think that that he he might I mean they got like 17 18 guys on the on offensive line right now for roster but like he could make the roster, and uh, that would be a very good pick. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go into, uh, real quick, before we go into each pick, like including Nick Broker, which I'm glad that you brought this up, let's go into our least favorite picks of the draft. So, um, John, I'll start with you. What was your, and, and I feel like, because I'm going to read some Twitter reaction too, I feel like we're all going to be around the same area, but what was your uh, least favorite pick of the, of the draft? Not that you hated it, but you know, one that you weren't in love with. Yeah, this is tough. I I might pick Justin Shorter just because, you know, I love the, my tall receivers, and I think he was tall, right? Yeah, he oh, yeah, you love you love yeah. your tall receivers. Yeah, So, but um, I feel like it might have been a bit of a reach, but I'm happy that they drafted another receiver. I mean, like, a hey, offense, you know, I love it. Um, so, you know, it's hard. I don't know. I mean, him or between him and Dorian Williams, Williams is fine too. Two, I think it's just that, like you said before, he's not a middle linebacker, so he'd be like special teams backing up Milano. Um, I know they got you know two or three other guys that can vie for middle linebacker this year, um, so maybe that pick might have been a little bit more disappointing, being a little bit higher up. Um, but maybe between those two picks, I'd say. Yeah, good point. But, I, but but I'm but I'm still good with the draft. Yeah, yeah, it's not a huge knock. You're just like, well, they weren't my favorite. But what about you, Mike? Least favorite. I think the round three pick, Dorian Williams, linebacker, Tulane, um, good season, but and love like his press conference. Seems like a real team guy. Um, it sounds like all I'm doing is talking about, but I don't know if he can have a significant impact this year for the team. And third round pick, ideally, I'd love to hope I'm wrong, but I don't know if he'll be able to jump the guys already in the linebacker room. Yeah, I th- I agree with you. I'm I'm with you guys. Dorian Williams was I don't hate the pick. It's just not like when you think about third round picks, like those could still be starters, 
right? And I think that they just didn't love the depth at defensive tackle. I mean, these are the guys that went after um, Dorian Williams, which they must not have loved, like Siaki Ika out of Baylor. You know, we, we went through him in the uh, in the draft. We didn't love him enough to, like, really take him in in our mock draft, so I don't I don't blame him there. Um, and then after that, there's not really a defensive tackle taken for, like, another, geez, besides Cameron Young out of Mississippi State, like, 40 picks later. So, I mean, there was... There was a drop-off, and it must have been maybe because of a run. So um, I understand them not doing it. I'd rather them take a better linebacker than a really than a subpar or a poor value at defensive tackle. I mean, we forget, even though they're losing four defensive tackles in 2023, like if they could resign one or two or more of them next season, and then you know draft one or two. Like they're, it's not it's it's a need, but it's thinking ahead, right? Like it's not like there's an immediate need for defensive tackle right now, but it would have been nice, just like edge rusher. It would have been great for them to get another edge rusher um, to compete with Shaq Lawson, but that clearly didn't happen. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, you're never going to get everything you want. I just thought that that was more of a luxury pick, just like last year, just like the Terrell Bernard. So I was kind of getting those vibes from that pick, but I didn't hate it. Uh, I I like what he brings. I like the fact that he's going to contribute to special teams right away. I mean, Tyler Matikiewicz won't be on the team forever, so like maybe you have a, a replacement there, one of those core special teams guys. Um, uh, so I, I don't hate it. Uh, it just, you know, it was, it was questionable a little bit. All right, I'm going to head over to Twitter where I asked the same question. What was your favorite uh, pick of the draft? What was your most questionable pick? Big R writes, favorite was Dalton Kincaid. Our path to the Super Bowl is never punting and scoring touchdowns is never punting and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. He said, eh, I wanted Hutchinson from Iowa State over shorter, but let's see. Yeah, we actually um, drafted uh, Isaiah, or, uh, Xavier Hutchinson in one of our mock drafts, so we obviously liked him, but that's okay. Miss A from BK, Bills Mafia, writes the first one as her favorite, Dalton Kincaid. Greg, the sports bully, writes best was Osiris Torrance. Questionable Dorian Williams. A lot of questionable was Dorian Williams. Richard W. Griswold wrote the same thing. Osiris Torrance was his favorite. Dorian Williams. Kincaid Williams from Andrew Ensing. Uh, a lot of Kincaid. Kincaid Williams. Oh, this is Matt Albrecht writes, favorite was Osiris Torrance. Most questionable was Nick Broker. With the Nick Broker pick, I just thought it could have been better used in a different position. Yeah. You know what's funny is I didn't mention this with you guys. We we talked about this before when we were doing predictions for the draft, which I'm sure we probably all got wrong looking back at it. But we talked about what position would he double would Bean double up on if he had the choice, and I'm pretty sure that we never would have thought it would be guard, offensive lineman, and like yeah, offensive lineman is basically what he doubled up on. So I don't think we would have guessed guard. <laughs> don't think at all. I think we mentioned defensive tackle, if anything. So it's good to see that. Good to see that he didn't fall right into what we thought he would do. Brett Smart writes, Torrance was his favorite. He sounds like just what we've needed on the O-line. Maybe we'll have a chance to punch it in at the goal line now. (laughs) That'd be nice. Be nice, Brett. Williams was the least favorite. Looks like another Milano backup. I'm hoping they'll have him or Bernard bulk up and play middle. That's a good point. See, these guys aren't static like... Bean said at his presser, he saw Dorian Williams more of like an outside linebacker or or at least a backup for Milano, but we'll see. He might have, I mean, he's that good at coverage. Like maybe they bring him in on passing downs. Like you never know. Like instead of having, 
you know, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano on the field. Maybe they have Milano Bernard or Milano Williams. Like, we just don't know at this point. But you have to consider everything. Danielle writes the offensive line protecting Josh Allen. That's her favorite. And then a lot of what were Torrance and uh, Dorian. Torrance was the Torrance was a lot more favorites than I thought it would be, even over Kincaid. Uh, B.I. King of the Dunedade Esquire writes, Osiris Torrance was his favorite. Just get some massive, just get some massive dudes to keep Josh safe and allow for an effective run game. Yeah, I think I think that takes care of all of them. That checks all those boxes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, all right, let's go into like each pick for the Buffalo Bills. And Mike and John, if you guys want to add anything or whatever, we can we can do this. But um, we, we talked a lot about Dorian Williams. I'll give you a quick write-up about him from uh, Pro Football Focus and um, Dean Brugler of The Athletic. Dorian Williams, the trade-up to secure Dorian Williams, a player with legitimate range and a huge wingspan, those traits helped him morph into one of the most impactful players at the position against the pass throughout his uh, college career. Williams produced a top 10 coverage grade among FBS off-ball linebackers in two of his last three seasons at Tulane. And you're talking about, like Mike, you always like guys from big schools. I mean, well, he's not from a huge school at Tulane, but he's from really good competition in the SEC. So that's what Pro Football Focus had to say about the pick. Um, Osiris Torrance, by the way, I forgot to mention that he left... Uh, Louisiana. He started three years in Louisiana. He left with his coach to go to Florida to start there in 2022, and he was just looking for more competition to like really prove himself. And when he got to Florida, he, just because he came with the incoming coach, he was not given a starting role. He started off with a third team, and he they made sure that he earned his role on the Florida offensive line, which I love that point. Bill Napier's zone blocking scheme. Um, so here's a quick write-up from Dean Brugler on Osiris Torrance. I'm going to go back to him for a second before I do Dorian Williams. He said, a one-year starter of Florida, Torrance played right guard for the Gators in head coach Billy Napier's zone-blocking scheme. As a freshman at Louisiana, he played at a high level on the same offensive line as three future NFL draft picks, Robert Hunt, Kevin Dotson, and Max Mitchell. And his play didn't drop off versus better competition in the SEC in 2022. He didn't have to transfer to be a high draft pick, but wasn't afraid of the challenge. A massive but lean-muscled blocker, Torrance has above-average inline power and physicality in the run game to quickly gain control and drive defenders from their spot. In pass protection, he sets wide strikes 
He sets wide, strikes with authority, and he plays with reactive quickness to recover and reposition his hands versus quick pass rushers. Zero sacks allowed in 1,501 career pass blocking snaps. I shouldn't... So I did... I said that in his last year at Florida, he allowed zero sacks throughout his entire career. Okay, it was just the penalties his last his last uh, season with the Gators. Overall, Torrance will struggle at times picking off targets in space, climbing and pulling, but he boasts the play strength, body control, and competitive appetite to win his matchups. He is a plug and play zone starter in the NFL. I mean, I was I was listening to you know analysts say that he's not so much a mover and blocker, just like Dean Brugler said. But you can just put him at the position, and he'll do whatever you need. Keep him, you know. They they say keep him in a phone booth, meaning like just keep him in where he's supposed to play on the offensive line. Don't make him run around the edge to the right tackle or whatever, and and pull. Uh, just keep him where he is, and and he'll do whatever you need him to um, at that level, which is really cool to to see. So that was at his discussion on Dorian Williams. Now, uh, Dean Brugler had Dorian Williams as a third or fourth round prospect. He's six foot one, 228 uh, pounds. He has a four four nine forty, which is really, really good. It's a really good uh, uh, area for a, especially an off-ball linebacker. All right, so this is what Dean Brugler had to say about Dorian Williams. A three-year starter at Tulane, uh, Williams played Will Linebacker in head coach Willie Fritz's 4-2-5 base scheme and combined for 303 tackles the past three seasons. He had a career year as a senior and played a key role in the greatest one-year turnaround in college football history as the green wave went from 2-10 in 2021 to 12-2 in 2022, including a Cotton Bowl win against USC. Williams was defensive MVP of the game. With his rangy athleticism, Williams is a fluid-moving is fluid moving in pursuit and coverage with the tackling skills that fill up the stat sheet. However, he can be caught going with the flow because of inconsistent key reads, and he doesn't have the power to be a line of scrimmage thumper. Overall, you wish Williams played with better anticipation, but once he sees it, he gets in there in a hurry and has the tools desired for a modern-day developmental linebacker. He has the profile of a key special teamer with the talent to eventually compete for NFL starting reps. So lots to like there. It's just, I think our biggest question mark was just the position more than, should they have drafted him? Like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like the guy sounds like he could eventually replace Milano, but the fact is we just re-signed, extended Milano this last year through 2026, I believe. So it's a little bit interesting to see uh, see that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to think about, too. Like, I mean, players get hurt all the time. Milano gets hurt. What happens, right? Who do they have? They got a couple of guys, but it'd be nice to have somebody else that could potentially fill that slot even better. Also, there's always a fine line in these drafts with, like, need versus best player available and also fitting your scheme. So if they felt like this guy was the only guy in the tier at that time to take, regardless of position, like I'm okay with that too. Um, there's just so many things to factor in. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many factors that we don't know about. We're just talking in a vacuum when in the reality, you know, there might be a lot more going on, which there is, there is for sure. Good point, John. We're going to talk about Justin Shorter. Um, the fifth pick, but real quick, uh, there was a trade down 
which Brandon Bean, we talked about the trade up in the first round to get Dalton and Katie, traded down three separate times. This was the first trade back in the fifth round. He uh, traded with the Washington Commanders. They got, uh, he, they gave up their fifth pick, fifth round pick at 137. They dropped down to 150 in the fifth round. And then they also picked up a sixth round pick uh, later in the draft. So before we get into that, we'll tell you what the pick they actually did take in the fifth round, which was. Uh, Justin Shorter out of Florida, another Gator on the offense. So Cyrus Torrance will have a buddy with him in the locker room, which is kind of cool. Justin Shorter, six foot four, two hundred twenty nine pounds. He's twenty three years old, a two year starter at Florida. Shorter was the ex receiver in head coach Billy Napier's offense. One look at him, and there's no mystery why he had more stars as a high school recruit than a clear night sky but he struggled to find his footing at Penn State and was more of a splashy weapon over his three years of Florida. Shorter has striking speed for his size and is at his best when he can stack coverage and create a vertical runway. 75.9% of his 2022 catches resulted in a first down or touchdown. That's pretty cool. Through Though he provides a large strike zone for his quarterback, his contested catch success should be higher with his size advantage. Overall, Shorter is a one-speed runner with predictable route running, but his height-weight-speed mix is uncommon, and his ball-winning potential will tantalize NFL teams. His fit is as a back-end-of-the-roster receiver. Makes him worth the risk. So one of the things that, you know, in looking at his pro football focus grades, he has has an above-average receiving grade. He has a a well-above-average yards per route run, which is he he had zero drops in 2022, so his drop rate percentage is zero, which is a, a good line. Think about when I think about this, guys. Let me know what you think. Um, if 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 I'm if I'm onto something, but Gabriel Davis is an expiring contract after this season. He's six foot two, 215 or something like that. So a bigger wide receiver, Justin Shorter, six foot four, 229, bigger, uh, more massive. He looks like DK Metcalf if you look at him. Um, from this here let me pull up a picture just so uh mike and john can see what i'm talking about if you guys remember dk metcalf you're gonna love justin shorter hey real quick would you trade uh aaron jones for dk metcalf in dynasty is aaron jones still with the packers yeah Mm. who do you have aaron jones or dk metcalf jones are you good at running back and you're looking for a wide receiver, or it's just it's just yes. an offer that you're like, oh, I like DK Metcalf. He had a good season last year, didn't he? I don't know if that's an even yeah. trade. Um, how much of the workload does Aaron Jones get over? Um, I can't think of their second their, their other running Dylan. back, Dylan. No, they they work on both end. Um, Jones still probably has more fantasy points, but they they get both get worked in. He's in that second contract. DK Metcalf is still young, and it's a dynasty league, so you get DK Metcalf for like the next ten years, right? So, well, ten years might be. I mean, he's like twenty twenty six to thirty. So thirty six. I don't know if I'm still gonna have him, but five six more years. Well, he'll last longer than a <laughs> than a running back would, right? I mean, Aaron Jones has got to be like twenty six, right? So that's 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 what I'm thinking. Jones is like twenty eight, I think twenty eight. Do you get a draft pick along with that or is it just one for one right now the offer is one for one this is what i say you do john you send back an offer and you say you want a third round pick along with it and you got a deal make the most out of it 
That's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking a future third because I already got extra picks this year. So, oh, you're you're like Brandon Bean, man, trading back, getting picks. <laughs> Jeez, no wonder you had so many thoughts this offseason about what the Bills should do. You're already running. You're running the Bills like your fantasy football dynasty over here. Uh, so let's see. So Mike John um, on Buffalo Rumbling site, they show a really good picture of. Justin Shorter, just in case you guys uh, wanted to see that. <laughs> I I have a, an idea that maybe he is the Gabriel Davis replacement on the outside once next year happens and they don't if they don't resign Gabriel Davis, which I in my head I don't think they will. Um, I think he's going to command like ten to twelve million dollars a year because you know he's a good wide receiver, but the Bills won't be able to afford him because they they're paying so much for. I think he's the future Gabriel Davis. In my opinion, I think this is why they drafted him. Um, I think that's what he may end up being. We'll have to see between Khalil Shakir um, and Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, obviously. But uh, I think this could be the potentially that. I think this is depth, and it gives him an option. So we mentioned uh, several trade backs. So that was the first trade back. They took Justin Shorter. Then when their other fifth round pick came up, um, they traded back uh, from 137 to. Oh yeah, I mentioned that one. That's the one I already mentioned. Sorry. Then after they took their fifth in the fifth round pick and Justin Shorter, they went down to their sixth round pick and they ended up trading that to the Rams to get a seventh round pick and a future pick in 2024. So then with that sixth round pick that they got, they traded back for, they traded that to the Houston Texans <laughs> and then they got another seventh round pick and another future sixth round pick in 2024. So they had no sixth round picks at the end of uh, the day three of the draft. Um, but Joe Biscaglia was tallying up all the draft picks. So they possibly have 10 picks in 2024 right now. They have a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, which would be their no- normal third-round pick, and a projected compensatory third-round pick just based on the formula for losing Tremaine Edmonds. And then they have a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and then three sixth-round picks and a seventh-round pick. So they have a lot of ammo next year to either draft a bunch of guys because they do have... What do they have? 20, 22 players on expiring contracts, including Micah Hyde, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver. Uh, let's see, Dane Jackson. I'm just going over some names real quick. Taylor Rapp, Safety, uh, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Ike Butker, and Gabriel Davis. Also, DeAndre Hopkins might still be available uh, for the right uh, draft pick combination. Yes, that's true. You think that happens? We didn't think it was going to happen during the draft after all. Uh, you think anything happens anymore? I don't know. Okay. If I had to guess, I'd say no, but never say never. I'll give you, I'll give you all our future six-round picks for DeAndre Hopkins. How's that? So uh, with the uh, seventh-round pick, their first seventh-round pick of the draft, the Bills ended up taking um, Nick Nick Broker. Guard out of Ole Miss, like John mentioned, he had taken snaps at left tackle in 2020 and 2021 where he only took snaps at left tackle. And then this last season at Ole Miss, he took uh, most of his snaps at left guard and took a few at left tackle. Now here's the versatility that we know that the Buffalo Bills like. Um, He had a grade of just above average in run blocking, slightly better in pass blocking, but again, above average. Um... His gap grade was below average, but his zone blocking grade was above average. So I think that's kind of going along with what the Bills like to do in general. 
He allowed zero sacks in 2022, so good stat there. Let's see. Nick Broker was actually the 11th ranked guard, offensive guard, in Dean Brugler's board. He had him as a 5th round pick. The Bills got him in the 7th round, so obviously great uh, value there. A three-year starter at Ole Miss, Broker was primarily a left tackle most of his career until he moved to left guard as a senior and head coach Lane Kiffin's offense. He helped block for an offense that ranked number three in the FBS in rushing yards per game in 2022 and became the fourth Rebel ever to win the Kent Hall Trophy awarded to the top offensive lineman in Mississippi. Now, that's just a cool stat right there, the Kent Hall Trophy. To be honest... I had no idea that was a thing. But how awesome is that, that that a future Bill gets the Kent Hall Trophy? A fundamentally focused blocker, broker maneuvers well and competes with the play strength and demeanor required at the next level. However, his balance can be too easily disrupted in pass protection, and his lack of ideal length hurts his ability to sustain and control in the run game. Overall, Broker doesn't wow with his explosiveness or power, especially in recovery mode, but he is strong and understands his responsibilities, which helps him execute when his technique and coverage, or I'm sorry, technique and leverage stay on point. He projects as a potential NFL backup on the interior in either a zone or gap scheme. I mean, the interior of the offensive line is just exciting with not necessarily broker because we don't know if he'll make the team, but I mean, we talked about Connor McGovern, you know, Ryan Bates, the fact that they added Osiris Torrance, which, which I'm guessing could potentially be okay. 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 Now that we're done with the talking about offensive linemen drafted hot take, the bills keep all the offensive linemen that they drafted. Um, Maybe they get rid of Ike Butker. Maybe they get rid of David Edwards potentially as depth, but the starters are going to be, uh, Connor McGovern at left guard, Mitch Morris at center, and Osiris Torrance at right guard, okay? So we have the rookie starting at right guard. Ryan Bates is the interior offensive line backup, the first one. Because in the future, which I didn't mention this, and this is kind of like hot take time, is Mitch Morse does not really have a backup. We talked about possibly a center guard you know, backup for Mitch Morris just because of his injury history, and we like Mitch Morris a lot, but, you know, he's 31 years old. You just don't know. In 2024, he only has a dead cap of $3 million, which means the Bills will save $8.5 million by releasing Mitch Morse. So if Ryan Bates, which will stay with the team, if he's the first interior backup, if you're looking future-wise... Maybe he ends up taking, potentially, if the Bills need to save some cap space, he becomes the center next season in 2024, and then you have Osiris Torrance and Connor McGovern as your left guard, right guard and left guard, respectively. So there is some maneuverability over time, and maybe you also keep David Edwards, right? Mike, or John, you love that. You love that signing as well. You get a guy that's also a starter that had some injury issues last year in uh in David Edwards, so maybe they keep him as well, and uh, and their their swing tackle is David Questenberry, or whatever. So, but you also have David Broker that you know has some experience at tackle. So, yeah, I mean you're right. I like David Edwards. Um, I like Torrance. I like Broker. Um, the center thing, I don't know. I mean, I I get that Bates has experience, but I think when the time comes, they're going to want 
an upgrade there. And base can still be the backup center slash guard, but um, I think they're going to want somebody else at that point. At, at center instead of Ryan Bates? Yeah. Yeah, good point. I mean, we're talking way in the future, and I completely get that, but it's interesting to talk about where you think this team could be headed because I'm looking at the future with where they went. And sure, like Nick Broker might not even make the team. Like it's very possible he doesn't. But if he does, which I kind of hope he does because a fifth-round pick, you know, the Bills have such good depth, though, at the interior. I don't know. It's worth thinking about. So then with their second, seventh-round pick, sorry, you were going to say, John? Well, no, I was like, so like if you look at the the de facto starters, right? One, two. So you got Dawkins, Morris, Brown is the tackles yep. and center, mm-hmm. and then you have McGovern, and then either Bates or Torrance, but one of them's going to be a primary on backup. The yep. Yeah. So that's six. What, how many offensive linemen do you keep normally in a season? Like nine? I don't know if it's eight or nine. So I'm thinking. So we're at six. David Edwards would be seven. Let's say I like Broker, so I'm going to put him at eight. So the ones on the outside looking in in this particular scenario would be Tommy Doyle, Ike Butker, David Questenberry, and then you have names Greg Mance, Alec Anderson, Ryan Vandermark, uh, Kevin Jarvis, and then you have some undrafted free agents after that. So it's possible that that's what they go with. You know, they pick a ninth. It could be Doyle, Butker, Questenberry would be the top candidates. Or, or if Broker doesn't make the team. I mean, that's possible, too. He could be a practice squad player. So last year they kept one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine offensive linemen. So you, so, you yeah, got to per- eight. You got to eight, right? Did that that's include perfect. Broker? That included Broker. So then the ninth would be the, either Doyle, Butker, or Questenberry. Yep. Or if somebody else impresses. But those would be the top three candidates after that. And, I, you know... I. So I think Broker could definitely make the team. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering about Tommy Doyle because he sustained a season-ending knee injury in twenty in week three of last year. That Doyle tore his ACL. Um, so I'm not sure he'll be ready for the beginning of the season. He might start off on the pup. So if that's the case, then you, they have to keep Questenberry. They have to keep a, a a tackle because they have Deion Dawkins and they have uh, you know Spencer Brown, but they don't have a, a backup tackle. So I think that's where Questenberry comes in. That's a good point on tackle, yeah. I mean, they might look at Broker as possible, possibly left tackle, just because he has well, Broker experience. Can, but Broker can play both positions. So I think that's that's that versatility, I think, is a factor for keeping him. Yeah, exactly. Alex Austin, I'm going to move on to the, unless you guys have anything else to add for Nick Broker, I'm going to move on to Alex Austin. The second uh, seventh round pick in uh, at cornerback, he had uh, an above average uh, coverage grade seventy one point eight in twenty twenty two, above average run defense grade seventy two point six. Had a pretty below average completion grade completion percentage against him, which is not what you want. You don't want to have someone <laughs> that's too high. But he had a good coverage grade uh, above average, so not great. Um, he played mostly at corner boundary corner. Didn't play the slot a whole lot, although he did play some snaps there. At that level, I'm about to bring up his, his profile from Dane Brugler. So Alex Austin, he had as his 29th ranked cornerback. He had him rated as a sixth round pick. So and again, good value there. Six foot one, 195 pounds, four five three speed. So not great 
for a cornerback, of course. A three-year starter at Oregon State, Austin was the right outside cornerback and defensive coordinator Trent Bray's multiple scheme press, off-man, and zone. He became a starter as a redshirt freshman and showed gradual improvements over the last three seasons, one of only a handful of Pac-12 defenders with 12-plus tw- passes defended in 2022. Austin is zone-aware and balanced in his transitions, trusting his eyes to lead him to the football. However, he gets upright in his coverage movements, which affects his ability to gather, click, and close, and he must become more reliable shedding blocks and finishing tackles. Overall, Austin is a heady cover man and uses his length to never stray too far from the route, but he is an average twitch mover and lacks the explosiveness to easily make up false steps. He projects best in a predominantly zone scheme where he can work in short areas. I mean, that's it's got to be one of the reasons that that the Bills drafted him for the zone scheme that they that they usually run. So potential depth there, John. Um, you know, in reading Buffalo Rumblings articles, which if you guys haven't checked out, um, I would definitely recommend it. Looking to have uh, Matt and Max from the site on in the next few weeks to talk about the Bills draft, to discuss their thoughts on it, what they liked, what they didn't like, um, and uh, in one of the the reading about. Um, Alex Austin is they kind of mentioned that like because he's not the best athlete like this is a guy that might project as a safety and if you think about it um, this is one of the things so uh, Buffalo Rumblings analyst BJ Machinelli had uh, Alex Austin on his radar early in the draft process shared the following information coming out of the out of the combine BJ writes I thought I thought Austin was the smoothest and most fluid defensive back I watched doing drills at the combine. He never looks to be trying hard. It comes, it just comes easy for him. Austin's transitions from backpedal to running are seamless. He is patient in man coverage and shows elite footwork in his technique. Not only was Alex Austin a starting cornerback for the Beavers, but he also played wide receiver and return kicks. He has a good size, six foot one, arm length thirty one and seven eighths inch. His football IQ appears above average on film, and Austin seems to understand defensive concepts and how it relates to what the offense is trying to do. The downside is his speed. He only ran a four five five forty yard dash. Speed issues are less important at the safety position, but they are tough to hide a corner. Austin's exceptional footwork and maneuverability within coverages should have plenty of teams interested in giving him a chance on day three. I certainly like what he has to offer. Now, this is that's what's curious about this, and we don't, you know, it's a seventh-round pick, so there's not a ton to discuss, but this kind of feels like a possibility for him to compete for a backup safety role. You know, we talk, we had safety as our, our list of needs only because we don't, we only have Jordan Poyer and DeMar Hamlin signed after this season, and we don't know what DeMar Hamlin's really going to do. We hope for the best. We hope he's coming back, but we don't know. So this is a, a, a situation where he might become, uh, maybe Hamlin starts on the pup list and he becomes the primary backup. There is a spot or a path for for him to make the roster, I guess is what I'm saying. So that's kind of how I see Alex Austin fitting in is he's backup. The Bills are good at, at, say, at corner, right? I mean, you have Dane Jackson, Tredavious White, Christian Benford, Kair Elam. I mean, you have four really good to pretty good corners. So I don't think his spot is there. I think it's going to be on the safety side of things. And maybe he stays as like a tweener or something like that. Yeah, they got um, like 10 corners now. So it 
and we're talked about before. That's probably the, their least position of need. Um, even a quarterback, it's probably their least position of need. Um, uh, interesting notes about the safety. Um, but in all likelihood, what'll probably happen is he'll end up on the practice squad and then he'll get poached by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you do. You go after good teams, uh, practice squads, right? So don't put Justin Shorter on the practice squad. Uh, Brian Dable will pick him right off as soon as, as soon as he makes it there. So I like, uh, I mean, I'm happy with his draft class. Uh, you know, could they have gone a few different directions? I guess final thoughts, guys, they could have gone a few different directions, um, but in the end, like I was pleasantly surprised by the way Bean approached this. He was offensive heavy. We've been hoping for this since the end of last season and into the playoffs where the Bills really struggled offensively. Uh, this just, I didn't think they were going to do it, and they went this way. I'm very happily surprised. Did they hit everything? No, we didn't think that they would either. But I'm glad they stayed true to their board because instead of you know picking a defensive tackle that was like a six-round pick in the fourth round or fifth round, rather, they decided that they were going to get best value. The second-round pick, Osiris Torrance is a, is a great, you know, Mike mentioned how good of a value that was. I mean, they could have gone for like, you know, a third or fourth round defensive tackle, which was a need. And instead, they stuck with a guy who could be a starter for a long time on that offensive line. So I'm not upset about it. I mean, we still have as our biggest needs if we take away, you know, wide receiver slash receiving weapon and offensive line. I would probably put middle linebacker still at the top. Right tackle, because I'm not still not sold on Spencer Brown. Right tackle, and then we still go defensive tackle, defensive end. Um potentially still safety but i mean tight ends not a need anymore so that's uh, i mean there's still needs but they address a lot of them so the my final thoughts were just that I, I i'm very happy when i when all was said and done and i listened to the press conferences i was i was excited and and i think a lot of bills fans uh, will be too so john mike any final thoughts on this uh draft review episode yeah that's a good point on reevaluating their needs right so when we started th- um Two of their top three needs were offense, and now their top three needs are more. Probably all their needs now are defense. Yeah. But you know what? We talked about it. We talked about it. Like, give Allen weapons, give Allen protection. If the defense has to be great to good or good to average, that's I, that's a sacrifice that we're willing to make, right? Yeah. Well, I was scoring every possession. Absolutely. I mean, with the, with the way that free agency was going, we thought that they were. Just giving him Trent Shurfield, Deontay Hardy, you know, Connor McGovern and David Edwards, like they're like, Okay, this is our attempt at helping the offense. Now we're gonna focus the draft on defense. Like this is we we, we kinda covered some needs, but like no, they're like we covered some needs and we're gonna hit it again in the draft, which I was surprised about. So yeah. Absolutely. Cover give them give them protection and give them more weapons. Mike, any final thoughts before we, we end this podcast? I'm just excited to see these guys on the field, but also off. I was um, impressed by their press conferences. Uh, seemed like a, a, a fun bunch that will be great additions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They had some really good press conferences. Uh, yeah, so so thank you guys all for listening to another draft episode. Um, our last one was one of the most popular on the Rumbling site, which is cool to see. I mean, we usually do pretty well. Um, there's a lot of really good podcasts. So so thank you guys all for listening for the for that other night. Hopefully you enjoy this one. Um, this episode, as every episode has been for like the last three years or so, 
This episode is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. Um, if you're in the western New York or central New York area, head on down the thruway. Take Route 90. Get off at Exit 41 in Waterloo, New York. Go to Shake Shack while you're there, too. They have some great food, though, at the DeLago Resort and Casino. Great gambling. Um, and the only thing you really won't gamble on is having a good time. So uh, that uh, we have some really cool uh, shirts for T Public, like I mentioned the uh, the DK squared for Dalton Knox and Dalton Kin- or, I'm sorry Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. The face off version of that T shirt is coming out tonight after I edit this podcast. I'm posting those. Uh, great work. Uh, also the uh, the the Kincaid Kincatch shirt. For Dalton Kincaid, that one's coming out. We're working on some other cool ones, too. One for Osiris Torrance, which I don't want to give away because I don't want some uh, really good T-shirt places to steal our ideas. But, uh, but no, like check those out, tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. There is a link for our tpublic site in the show notes, so check that out there as well. So thank you guys all for listening. Uh, it's been a blast. Tons more to talk about after the draft happens. We've got the schedule coming up in a few weeks. We're going to talk about undrafted free agents next week and probably some other topics as they arrive. Maybe a DeHandre Hopkins signing. Uh, We'll see. But thank you guys all for listening. Signing off for John. Can't wait till February. Vegas, baby. Vegas. (laughs) For Vegas! For Mike. Mike not wishing his life away. But still excited. (laughs) (laughs) Go Bills. And for me, Nate, where else would you rather be than right here, right now? This was a fun draft. It's been fun talking to you guys all offseason. And it's going to be fun continuing to talk to you guys up until training camp and after. Go Bills. listening to the circling the wagons podcast download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service email us at ctwpod at gmail.com that's charlie tango whiskey pod at gmail.com follow us on facebook and twitter at ctwpod and most importantly go bills nobody circles the wagons like the buffalo bills nobody circles the wagons like the buffalo bills mate. <laughs>